Hey there, I hope you're having a great day today. This is Dr. Jim Hoven, your host for the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast. And today we're gonna do something really cool. We're actually gonna let you in on a little presentation that Dr. Joe Ramos gave to a group of uh, Latin American and Hispanic business owners through a Chamber of Commerce, super cool event. And in this, you're gonna hear not only Dr. Ramos's story, which may or may not be familiar with, but also he's gonna share with you some of the concepts, some of the things that have helped make him so successful as an individual and the businesses he's involved with. Not only that, you're going to hear how he makes the connection between his roots and his heritage and how that's so important to raise all of communities up, all of society up, and for each and every person to stand tall, to be brave, to think big, and to go for it in their lives. So this is going to be a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. Leave lots of comments, share it with people who you think can benefit from it. And I know that after listening to this, it's going to leave you inspired. So I look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, until we see each other again, you too can make a difference. Welcome, Dr. Joseph Ramos. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for that, for that welcome. And before I thank you guys for coming, I want to thank Tammy. I learned uh, just today that she's a graduate of this program. And um, I have always known how special she is, and I see her special talents. And I can tell you guys that if you get any of those special talents through this program that she has, you'll be superstars. Or you already are superstars. And that actually leads me into thanking you for being here. So I was looking through, they sent me a little profile of each of you. Um, kind of your backgrounds and your story and how you're a part of it. You guys are an impressive group. I feel like I should be out there and you guys should be up here talking, talking to me. Uh, what an impressive group. Um, and I, I, I don't say this lightly, I am proud of you guys. I am proud to see um, our people as successful as you are. It is, it's heartwarming to me because my, my life has been somewhat of a battle that starts from coming into this world as a Hispanic from an underprivileged, underprivileged family. And you're always trying to prove you're good enough. Always trying to prove you're good enough. And sometimes it starts off in our families, in our culture, to your own father or your grandfather. And then eventually it's kind of to the world in a way. It's to, it's to society saying, no, I'm good enough. And um, so I hope today, uh, I think I got the best topic to talk about, um, unleash your potential. Uh, I, I, when I saw the topic today, I was like, wow, this is cool. Because I get fired up about talking about this stuff. It, it gets me emotional talking about this stuff. That's how into this I get. And I'm thankful to the chamber for, for allowing us this opportunity. And again, Tammy, thank you for spearheading this and setting this up. It means a lot. And it means a lot uh, for me to see another version of your roots. So, um, how I'm going to do this today is I'm going to go a little bit through my story and where I came from, um, and then I'm going to go into how I really think you unleash your potential. I started off, I got so into this thing, I made like 30, 40 slides, I was like, oh wait, I only have about 30 minutes and we're going to stop and ask questions. So I cut it back to about 15 slides. I'll try to make it fast, and I'll probably get way off base at some points, but please know that that's just out of the passion that I have for for this and for this topic. So uh, to the right here in the blue jacket, you'll see my grandfather, Bartolo Ramos. To the left is my grandmother, Rita. 
Those are me and three of my sisters uh, below them. You can see we were not troublemakers, but I think I've got the snowball and they're all cracking up because we probably just threw one at my grandfather or something. But my grandfather and grandmother came across from Arizona um, and into the fields in Lancaster, California, where my, where my grandfather uh, picked in the fields. And um, they didn't speak any English. Um, in fact, when they had, I think their first 10 kids, they lived in a tent for a lot of it. And they were all picking and, and uh, stuff there. And, and as things would have it, uh, my grandfather was recognized as a very hard worker. And the owner um, owned a ranch in Nevada. And he said, I want you to run that ranch. So my grandfather, at the chance to move into a house, moved his family to Nevada so they could have a house. And they moved in there, and they had 12 kids. My dad is the baby of those kids, and he acts like it sometimes. And uh, my grandfather set a great work example for everyone with his work ethic. Of the 12 children that they had, uh, none went to college. Um, they're all fantastic people. Uh, none went to college. My dad then uh, uh, made the, well, you'll see in the next slide. He, he made the, the move of getting my mother pregnant when she was 16, and he was 17, uh, and that doesn't make life any easier. So, um, and, and, and I want to stop here for a second and tell you, because this goes back to, to us and something I hope we can all relate to. So it wasn't cool to be Mexican in those days. That's what you were, wetback. And it wasn't cool. And my grandparents didn't want my dad to speak Spanish. They definitely, uh, and, my and my mother's parents didn't want their daughter with a Mexican. Did not want it. So when my dad got my mother pregnant, the two families didn't speak for the first 10 years. Just nothing to do with each other. To the, my mother, my mother's a German-Scottish, uh, uh, you know, family who hard work ethic and they owned a tow truck company. You already know about my grandfather, right? Pickers in the field to move to a ranch to raise alfalfa and that was a that was a upscale in society. Well, my grandfather owned this tow truck company and this is what broke the ice. Um, I'll try not to get emotional <laughs> saying this. My uh, grandmother got into a car crash. Uh, she had a cow in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. This picture is where I grew up at. There was one store out in the area, um, and that store closed. This one was 26 miles from our home, and uh, there was literally nothing out there. My graduating class had eight. I'll show you a picture of my sister's graduating class here in a minute because I couldn't find one of my own. Hers had six. Um, very, very small. So it's not like you had a lot of options to call when you got in trouble. So it's the middle of the night. My grandmother's traveling out to go to the ranch. And she hits a cow, a black cow crossing the road in the middle of the night. Totals her car. There's only one record service to call. The white grandfather. And he comes out and tows her back, and the two families were close after that. So, um, so but the reason I tell you that is because my, the life didn't start easy for any of them, right? And that's where most of us have come into. It doesn't start easy, and, we're, and even when it does start e easy, even when you've gotten a few breaks, we always have that behind us. We always have that history, those roots behind us, right? Well, I think they're important, and I think they're part of if you want to unleash your potential. I think that those same things that make me emotional talking about my family give me an incredible strength when I talk about moving forward. 
So this was at one point in our family with six of us. Of course, there was more after this that came. That's my mom and dad there. Um, it was, there was, uh, there's four boys, four girls, and my parents took on two more, so there were 10 of us in a two be- or three bedroom, two bath, double wide trailer. And we piled in like puppies. I have a great, a great family. In fact, this morning I was running late. I'm getting some stuff done. I was texting one of my sisters saying, hey sister, send me some family pictures. We, we stay in touch, uh, a wonderful family. They come up here for a lot of our stuff, probably like many of your families do. Remember that because it's gonna be one of the potentials to unleashing your potential. This is my sister's graduating uh, class course. She wanted to show her picture of her class, not mine. She probably had mine and she just wants to be on the TV. <laughs> so when people talk about unleashing your potential, you're gonna hear, um, you know, you probably heard this so much, it probably, you know, makes you blue in the face like another talk. Find your why, define your vision, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that it's the real key to unleashing your potential. Uh, finding your why is important, having a vision is important, I don't think it's key. Here's what I think is key. I think that you have to keep it simple, you have to keep it very simple, because there's way too many things that cause confusion. And, and in keeping it simple, I believe starting with compassion. And I'll tell you about a couple things that I did when I was finding my why, that, or why I don't feel that that's the way to start off. So when you find your why, it's usually an arrow's in thing. Usually you're thinking about yourself. So when I started, my very first failure was I went to the Air Force Academy, my first big failure. Went through all this stuff in this little bitty town. I had excellent grades. Um, I've always been able to take tests. God blessed me with the ability to take tests. You can put a test in front of me, I can pass it. And so I did very well on placement exams. I did very well in school. And I got into the Air Force Academy. Well, it was a big thing in this little town, right? Congressional nomination and appointment into a service academy. It was, they came to the school and announced this $200,000 scholarship. It was everything paid. Well, remember I came, I told you I came from a family that didn't go to school. Didn't have the means to go to school. So this for me was like the breakthrough. This was my big chance. So I went to the Air Force Academy. What was my why? Well, my why was one, it was prestigious. It was a scholarship, I felt special, and I wanted to fly an airplane. But that's all I, 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 me, me, me. And that didn't work very well for me. I went there for one year, as God would have it. They told me before I went that I could never fly a fighter jet. I wanted to fly fighter jets. They said I could never fly a fighter jet because I have allergies. I take allergy medicine every day. Seems like if I drink a cup of coffee, I get plugged up. And I had bad vision, I had 2300 vision in both eyes. I've since had it surgically corrected. But they told me, you can never be a fighter pilot, ever. You have to be perfect. So I went anyway because they said, we can probably get you a waiver and you might be able to be a bomber pilot. You could fly a bomber aircraft, a bigger one. So I was like, oh, not really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But my why was all about I at that point. What I'm going to be, how I'm going to get recognized. So I went there and I realized quickly in that year, it was the first year I read the Bible cover to cover. And I realized quickly I was there for all the wrong reasons. It wasn't anything about why I should be there. So I left. Now I want you to know how big of a decision this was to leave. I came from a family that didn't have money. I went back to a double wide trailer from this place to live with my family. And that's kind of what I had seen in my culture. That's what we did. We took each other back. We helped each other. And I went back to that. And I was at the bottom. I was at the very, very bottom. And I'll never forget, my dad said, well, um, what are you going to do? I said, how did it go? He goes, well, you, you better start thinking of something because you're not going to be living here for very long. <laughs> wow, all right. Okay, good. He goes, he goes I said, well, I, he says, you probably should go back to school. 
my dad was not, you know, my dad was pretty cut and short. He wasn't a real super warm, fuzzy guy. Told me two times he loved me, all through high school. Twice, I can tell you both occasions. Not a warm and fuzzy guy. Um, he said, you should probably go to college. Okay, he's the head of the household, Hispanic family. I'm going to college, right? That's how we do it. You know, pull his boots off that night, make sure I poured him in black velvet. That kind of a household. Um, so, I looked and I could go to college and the, uh, a cousin of mine was at this place and he was paying rent. It was $1,000 a month. And he would let me stay with him for $500 a month. And so I said, okay. So I said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to make some money and I'm going to go to college. And how much is your rent? I said, $500 a month. And he said, he wrote me a check for $3,000. Only money my father ever gave me. Which I knew was a ton. A ton. Probably everything they had. And he said, don't ever ask me for money again. Pat me on the back and look, I didn't ask him for money the first time. <laughs> but okay, all right, I'll take it. Took the check. So that was my start into school. And uh, again, after a major failure for me, because I had it, right? I thought I had it. But what happened was when I went to school, I remembered as I was growing up, you know, you're going to school, what are you going to do? And you guys probably been faced with that before you got to the careers you're in. What are you going to do and why are you doing it, right? And when I grew up, we didn't have health insurance. And if somebody got sick, you, like my sisters, brothers and sisters had asthma very bad, they'd walk them outside in the cold air to try to get their airways to, to narrow down again and, and uh, or open up again, I'm sorry, and, and help them. And we, I mean, you were sick, sick before you ever went to a doctor. I thought, well, this is going to be really good. I started going to school. Um, I majored in biology. I minored in chemistry. And I got admitted to medical school. When I, uh, here's my second failure, again, on wise. I went, well... It started off good. I want to help people. But then what I said was, I want to do something that makes a ton of money. Right? At that age, I want to make a ton of money. So at that point, you could go into internal medicine, then you could go to cardiology, you could go to gastroenterology, you could do all the specialties off of internal medicine. I went to internal medicine. Hated it. Everybody, that, I would see people, and they would come back and say, hey, you missed your appointment last month. Well, you know, what happened? Oh, I didn't have the money to come in. And I said, well, why didn't you come? Well, I came to the front desk. They wouldn't let me in. I didn't have my copay or my deductible or my insurance. And so what happens is the front of these institutions were stopping people from getting in before they ever got to see me. Well, that's not how I was raised. That's not where my values are. So I got to thinking, well, what's the one area, you know, I called it the wallet biopsy. You come to the front of the place, they, bi they biopsy your wallet to see if you get in for care, right? They don't just let you in. So what's the one area I can go into that you just take care of everybody? Well, it's emergency medicine. Because if you're shot in the chest or you run over by a car or you have a stroke or heart attack, well, you're laying there you know, resuscitating you. They don't ask you for your wallet. They don't ask you for your copay. So that's what I did. Loved it. Came here uh, to Denver General, did my residency here in Denver. Had no family in this town. My beautiful wife moved out here with me at the time. And uh, that's a whole other story. I'll get that in a minute. Um, and I started in medicine. Great career. Fantastic. Love it to this day. I still practice about a day a week. Love practicing medicine. You can help people. You don't have to ask for money. Um, and, and you just, it's just, and everybody gets taken care of. Doesn't matter if you're the homeless guy who's alcoholic and you were sleeping on the corner or you're the rich guy who drives up in your Ferrari. You get taken care of the same. You need a CAT scan, you get it. I love that. So when you, go to, when you go to decide or you want to really blow up what you're already doing, if you want to be incredibly successful, don't find your why. It's going to change. 
and your why is going to be arrows in. Find the arrows out. Um, you know, people talk about vision. I think compassion, I put up here, kicks vision's ass. And here is why. Compassion is when you really love something for someone else. It's really about someone else. And I'm telling you, this is not your every other talk about love the world and give to this and do that. I'm telling you this works. This is a recipe for success. When you start to care about something other than yourself, you really become successful. The success pours on you like that you will never ever get because your arrows start looking out. Compassion for other people who have less becomes really passion. And when you have passion, watch out. And you know that. You're all successful. When you got passionate about what you're doing, stuff starts really going well. So I think that the first step is to find the compassion. Find compassion and then you will get passionate. I think the second step is to dream really big. Dream really, 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 really big. I can't tell you how many reallys. I should have put them all across the screen. We are blessed with so much more than we think. You know, I grew up in a double wide thinking that maybe I would go to college, right? Then when I went to college, I thought, well, maybe I can be, a, you know, a doctor. Um, then I became a professor at the university and taught for 10 years and attending teaching doctors, teaching in 70, 70 beds. Then I thought, well, I might have a house someday. And, and now I have a really, really nice house, bigger than I ever thought. I, I thought one day I might have a car paid off. Now I buy my cars and I don't borrow money for them. Remember that dream about flying? I fly my own jet now. I'm not telling you guys this to be braggadocious whatsoever. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you that we are blessed with hundredfold more than we think. You cannot dream small because your dreams start to pin you down. And, and so you have to dream huge. I was thankful to have an office to go to as, as an attorney. Now we own over 100,000 square feet of office buildings, right? Big, think big, because you will be restrained by the same thought that gets us as, as, as Hispanics, Latinos, in a population where we think you know, we've been put here, right? My grandfather was picking. We can't think that way. We have to think big, really, really, really big. And in thinking big, we have to take risks. Nobody ever did anything great alone on their own, and nobody ever did anything great without taking risks. It takes a team, and it takes somebody with the balls to take a risk. And I encourage every one of you to have that. Go big. And I'll show you something here in a minute. I, as I tell you big and as I tell you you're special, I also tell you you're a spec. And I'm going to explain that at the very end. It's going to be the very last thing I explain. Um, so when I started the law firm, for example, this was it. A little bitty building downtown. I leased that building. It had four offices in it. It was me and my wife and Megan, the second one over from the left. Then we added Patricia, I think, was the second one from the right. And at this point, we felt good enough to take a firm photo. <laughs> I eventually bought that building, and, uh, and then many more since. But this is when I wasn't dreaming big, and this is how it started. And this is, this is the, 
in addition to having compassion so that you can find your passion, and in addition to thinking big and thinking very, very, very big, the third key to unleashing your potential is to never accept no. Never, ever, 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 ever accept no. This quote has a lot of things in it that you're all going to experience or you already all have experienced. And what that is is this. How many people do you know that will stand outside the ring and critique the guy in the ring, right? They're in there talking about, you know, somebody stumble, critiquing somebody when they didn't quite make the mark. Does that happen to any of you guys? Right? Every day. Every single day. Happens all the time. You'll always find somebody that will tell you how you weren't good enough or what you didn't do right. But I'll tell you what I love about this is, is that if you look uh, down at, look at the, some of those highlighted parts. You know, there's nothing better. You have, first of all, you've never given effort if you haven't failed. You have not given effort if you haven't failed. And what I would rather have the great, as they say here, enthusiasm to be investing in a worthy cause and failing than to, than to sit back and not fail and never do anything great. So you have to remember that you guys are the ones in the arena, and if you let people tell you no, um, you know, us culturally, us as leaders, us as people, we will never advance for ourselves. Because I'll tell you what, you go by a work site here in town, and you tell me who's out there working. I was laughing. I went by, I was driving down to my house, they're building this big apartment complex. It was a blizzard snowstorm coming down. There's 25 workers working out there, and there wasn't one of them, I bet you, that spoke English. They're all out there working. Our culture works. We're strong, working, hard-headed, successful people for what our families, for our faith, for our roots, right? And, but sometimes we stop just short because we're afraid to fail or afraid to err or because somebody worse yet told us no. Somebody tells you you can't do it. Somebody tells you you only speak this language. You can't speak this language good enough. English is difficult. Somebody says, oh, you don't have any money for school. You're poor, right? Well, I can tell you this. I borrowed about, I was trying to figure it out. I think I borrowed $453,000 to get through medical school and law school. Borrowed. I had $3,000 paid for by my family. My wedding, I charged on credit cards with my wife. It does, we can't use this, we can't, we can't believe and we can't let our people believe and we can't let the excuse be out there that we can't do it, that we can be told no. We just can't. Fail trying. Fail trying. If you don't fail, you haven't tried. The last thing is, and we're almost done, the last thing that I think is critical absolutely critical to knocking it out of the park and success in life is remember your roots. This picture was sent to me by my sister this morning. I forgot all about this. When I was in college, so I worked. Here's what I did. I, after I left the Air Force Academy and I went to school, I didn't have money, as you know. Um, I had blown the chance to get scholarships because I left the academy. So I'm entering school now as a sophomore with, in a, in a regular college with no financial support, I gave it all away, right? Could have quit right then and there. Instead, I was looking at the job board. I went to school right before job started. And this is a job board, and this was published in the Reno Gazette Journal. I was looking for a job, and I was writing it down. And, you know, they put here, strapped students are stressed. And they put my name on there. Yeah, I was stressed. 
and I was looking for a job. I waited tables all the way through my second year of law school. I would take and I would make study cards. I put them in the front of my apron and I'd go take an order and I'd study study cards all the way back. And I'd go deliver food and I'd study study cards all the way back. You can study a lot of study cards delivering food. And I'll tell you what, it gives you a hell of a lot of incentive to keep studying, right? But it's not giving up. It's not letting anybody tell you no. And, and, and it goes back to your roots. What are my roots? My grandfather. My grandfather's a hard worker. Hard worker. I never let anybody outwork me, ever. Not that smart, but I can outwork a lot of people. I never get outworked. And, and that's something we control. Go back to our roots. Think about where you came from. This is some more pictures of my family. There's my grandmother in the center of that there. I don't know if this thing will point out it, but in the center, that's the eight children, my mom and dad in that picture later on in life. To the left is my wife. My wife always jokes. I put her in there for my roots because she always jokes. So we met in high school and she always tells everybody she knew me before I had all the initials after my name. And here's kind of the summary of, the, of, of really the most important parts of your roots. And, um, and I'll, end, I'll end right after this, and we'll take some questions. The, uh, the first thing I would say with your roots is never rest on your laurels. And that thing to the right up there is what laurels are. You know, I was wondering, what's that mean? What are laurels? Well, that's, it's this kind of wreath of leaves that in the Roman days they would use as kind of a celebration. They put it sometimes on people as a crown. And it was kind of like the achieving moment to rest on your laurels. And this one's tough for me because um, I grew up not thinking I was good enough. And keep going and going and going, not being good enough. Well, you're good enough. And that's the point. You are good enough. You're good enough right now. You're good enough prior to any initials after your names. Um, but good doesn't mean rest. Doesn't mean rest on your laurels. And, and the very last thing here will explain what I mean by why not to rest on your laurels. Never forget what made you successful. Rarely is it you. I'm not successful here because of me. I am surrounded, Tammy is one of a clone of people that are absolutely freaking dynamic that work for this business. I mean, incredible, incredible people. It always drives me crazy when I hear, you know, Michael Jordan get all the credit. Because nobody ever remembers Scottie Pippen, Mark Price, all, you know, Dennis Rodman, all the other people on the team. He was only Michael Jordan because of who he had around him. He was great, but he seemed really great because of who he had around him, right? And that's how we all are. Never forget that you'll never do anything alone. You'll never get anywhere alone. And, and you need to remember that when you take care of, of us, our people. So I have a couple of people here, the, the two longest employees in this business. One's been with me 21 years. One's been with me 20 years. Both Spanish was their first language. Both of them only graduated high school. And both of them I hired as single mothers. Longest people in this business. That's the root of what this business is. You want to know why this place is successful? I got people with values. I have people who are deep. We don't look for what you graduate from or what's on your degree when you get here. Competence is 50% of the game. Culture is 50% of the game. And one is not more than the other. If you're very competent and you have no culture, you don't, you don't work here. Period. I want cultured people. I want good people. The longest two people in this business didn't speak English first. They were single mothers. Yo, I mean, you women, do you know how, how hard is that? My gosh. 
Those are winners. That's the foundation of this place. That's how this place works. We, the, the buildings we bought, the Jedi fly, they did it. Nobody does anything good alone. Don't, don't ever think um, that you're successful. Um, it's rarely you. Remember faith, family, culture. Remember who you are. It carries everything. And that gets down to the story about talents. You guys may, if, if, if you're people of faith, you may know the story in Matthew. And if you're not, it's okay. I'll tell you a good story. Um, and I'll remind those, those of you who know this story. So in Matthew, in the Bible, they talk about, there's this parable, I'll probably screw it all up, where the master leaves and he gives his workers, people like us, he gives them talents. Now, I don't really know what talents are, but it's a lot of money. Picture it as just like an account full of money. And he gives one of them five, and he gives one of them two, and he gives one of them one. And then he leaves, and he comes back. And the first two, they take the, the talents, and they do stuff with it, and they give it back to the master. And they, sh and they say, look what we've done for you. And he said, thank you, good and faithful servant. It doesn't say it based on what they gave him. It doesn't say, oh, well, you know, you're better, or you're this. Thank you. Thank you for giving everything with what I gave you. The one said, I'm afraid. Now, that's key. Remember that. I'm afraid. I was afraid, master, to let you down, to lose your money. So I just buried it. And basically, what the Bible tells you in that story is that the master wasn't proud of that person. He, he wasn't going to say he rebuked him. Here's, here's the thing about that, and here's how this relates to us. We've been given talents. We have a lot of talents, right? Do something with your talents. Don't rest on your laurels. Don't rest on what you've done. Don't forget about what's made you successful. Don't get too comfortable. Because we've been given talents. We are blessed. And that's why our work never ends. Our work never ends. We are here to find out what is the nth degree of success that you were supposed to have. What is it? You don't know. I have all this gray hair. I still wake up every morning studying and dreaming and thinking this stuff. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go get my MBA. She goes, no, you're not. You're going to go get a library card. <laughs> so that gets down to the last thing, and it's about just remembering who you are and your roots. Um, and this is where the URA spec comes about. Um, the reason that I can talk about, I struggled. This is a very personal thing I'll share with you guys. I struggled with my first success. So when I first made money, I had never had money. And when I first made money, I thought that was supposed to be success. And I was very unhappy. And I was also embarrassed. I, um, I didn't buy any nice cars. I didn't buy a nice home. I, uh, I didn't, didn't know how to deal with it, frankly. And I had my wife and three children living in a 1,200, no, maybe a 1,000 square foot home in um, North Denver. Uh, our three doors down, neighbor got shot. On a night, I was in the hospital, actually got beat to death, and I took care of her. Um, and she was three doors down, and I was on that night. She came in. And my wife said to me, hey, do you think, you know, could we maybe get a new, a new home? You know, we can afford it. I said, no. You know, what I was doing was I was keeping myself where I felt most comfortable because it was how I was raised. And I had the ability to get out of that. 
And I, and you know, she, she was, you know, my wife is a wonderful lady, and she said, okay, that's fine, you know. She just, because her values weren't in what was in the checking account either. They were in what was in our family. And then what happened was, I told a pastor this. I said, hey, you know, here's what I'm feeling. Like, I'd be embarrassed if my dad came, or my grandfather came, and they saw me in this house. I'd be embarrassed to drive a nice car. I was driving a truck to work that I had knocked the window out of. I had a plastic bag up in it. Um, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, like, embarrassed by this a little bit. And he said, you're nothing but a speck. When God looks down, it doesn't matter what you have. You're nothing but a speck on a head of hair that he can't even tell because you are, you're loved and you're his children and you are the same no matter what. You're no different. You're not special. But, but, here's the but. It's about being a fleck. You've been blessed. And when you reflect the blessings that you've been given and when you magnify that in other people, now you're using your roots to really bring about success. So I would encourage all of you guys as you as you really look at what it means, you know, to be successful, as you guys really, um, you know, go to excelling as leaders, to growing as to who you are, I would remind you guys to keep it simple. Keep it very, very, very simple. Remember what matters. Remember you can't do it on your own. And um, I guarantee you that on that parable of the, of the master who gave away the talents, when you, when you magnify the talents that you've been given, it starts to overwhelm you with what you get back. It literally is overwhelming sometimes how blessed uh, this business is, how blessed my staff are, how blessed my family is. It starts to just come back so much so that you have to pinch yourself sometimes. But it all takes the right focus. And the right focus is, is you know, have compassion, Get a passion. You know, never, ever, ever let the people outside of the ring tell you in the ring where you're failing, and then it all goes from there. So I hope that this helps you guys, um, you know, uplift you in some way, shape, or form. Please uplift those around you because uh, we need to take care of ours, our own. We need, to, we need people to see that the sky's the limit.